Welcome along to this episode of the Master Builders uh, podcast. Very delighted to have Greg Dugan, the Group Manager of Education and Stakeholder Engagement at uh, BCITO. It's a very long title, Greg. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, well, look, we're recording this on Monday the 20th of April. Uh, this is a very fluid time for us around COVID-19. Uh, there are expected to be announcements around changes in level of lockdown, etc. this afternoon, but we'll we'll have a discussion today based on what we currently know is, is happening. First thing, a bit of insight for you, from you, Greg. What's lockdown been like? Number one question, what's been your favourite meal? Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm the cook in our house, so I'd have to say that uh, a favourite meal was probably um, homemade hamburgers. Uh, the family loves them. So uh, it's sort of close to having takeaways, uh, but slightly healthier. Nice. And did we go uh, complex gourmet? Was there layers of bacon and chicken and cheese and gherkins and... Or do we like the good old Kiwi classic? Oh, a bit of both. I've got a bit of a mixed bag. There'll be ones that say that there's no place for salad and others will say that, uh, oh no, let's just put everything green in there that we can possibly get. So, uh, hey, it's all on the bench. They just fill their own and, uh, like and, and get on with it. Very good, very good. And during this time in lockdown, what what have you been able to do around your physical health and most importantly your mental health? Well, yeah, I thought my physical health would be helped by the fact if I got my tools out and, and did a bit of building, that didn't actually help my mental health very much uh, because I had to remember how to do half of it. Uh, but uh, it was it was good, it was good fun. Uh, my son, who's a uh, is a civil engineer, who's living with us at the moment, uh, he was my hammer hand, so uh, yeah. It was, it was quite interesting to have an engineer uh, looking over your shoulder yeah. and second-guessing everything you do. But no, that was good, and, and that was great for mental health. Lots of walking, uh, just getting out there. I think that, um, yeah, it, it's been an opportunity for us to uh, do some stuff that we weren't doing before. Great. And BCITO, you're a learning-focused organisation. What have you learnt during lockdown? Well, I've learned that actually you don't all need to be in the same office at the same time to make progress. And I've also learned people adapt really quickly. I've been amazed at uh, the way that uh, BCITO staff have pivoted. Um, that's an interesting word, that pivoting. Uh, but they've managed to pivot to uh, provide employers and particularly our learners uh, with support. And yeah, I've been pretty impressed with that. Great. And do you want to give us some of the insights to what you've done in that pivot and how how you are helping out uh, both trainees and employers? Well, I think that the, the first thing um, has been to actually get to grips with their situation. And uh, there were a number of, uh, and still are, a number of people that are pretty concerned about uh, what the future might look like. These, this, you know, To say this is unprecedented times is a bit worn out, uh, but it is because we don't have a precedent. We don't have a crystal ball to say it's going to be this or it's going to be that. And I think that there are a, a, a lineup of economists at the moment who are telling us what they think it's going to be. The old joke about economists managed to successfully, in five examples, predicted the last two recessions. So um, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's just a lineup of people trying to tell us what the world's going to be like. However, yeah, I think there are some absolute realities about that. I was reading this morning a few, uh, a, a comment from BDO, which I thought was quite fascinating, and, and they were stating some of the realities. So we had a housing and building shortage prior to COVID-19. We had an enormous amount of work in the pipeline. We had a, a lot of people that were engaged in the industry and willing to get on with that work. And I think that some of those things don't change. There are some things that do change 
change, and that's going to be the level of confidence and investment that people have in the marketplace. And I think the link uh, between building activity and property prices uh, is probably something that people need to be taking pretty close attention to. Uh, that said, the construction industry has a, a habit of going into very high highs and very low lows and going between those points quite quickly. So uh, I think that's going to be, uh, there's going to be some need for some employers and some employees to adapt quite quickly. So the things that we've been doing to support industry, uh, one of the things we've done in Full Marks to Master Builders, you've done a great job of this as well, is we've provided uh, no-nonsense uh, um, information sources up there so employers who can or and certainly who want to engage in understanding COVID-19 and the support that they can get have had a way of doing that. So um, <laughs> it's not everyone is a member of an industry association. We have 15 industries under our coverage and some of those industries don't have an industry association at all. So those employers need to be able to get access to that information. They need to understand what their responsibilities are as an employer, what assistance and opportunities you know, I've got to say, I think we could all take our hat off to the government thus far in terms of their support. Uh, what they do going forward, I think, however, will be the measure. Absolutely. You know, if we were to project forward 6, 12, 18, 24 months here, how do you think the uh, industry is going to evolve? You know, if you could just polish up your crystal ball a little bit, Greg, and, and see what you think might might happen, you know, particularly obviously around the focus for uh, training our next crop of construction uh, workers, what do you think might change going forward as a result of this current situation? It's going to be interesting to see, I think, how uh, industry adapts in a, in a post-COVID environment. So if we, uh, for instance, went towards towards uh, more, uh, integrating more social distancing into our work. And that, that seems rather strange to me, being a tradie in the past and knowing what how construction sites work. I think that's going to bring some quite interesting challenges. But out of those challenges, I think there's going to be some learnings. So the way that we consider how sites operate, the way that we maximise the human capability input into a site will be different. So... Um, unlike, you know, the warehouse, they get a container of fishing rods in from China and they put a sticker on them and put them on the shelf and sell them. They don't add any value. Construction, everything in construction is a process of taking a raw material and adding some brilliant human capital uh, to that raw material to produce something that essentially makes the client's dreams come true. That some of those dreams are enormously uh, valuable and significant in people's lives. So that culture of investing in property and, and wanting to have uh, great homes and houses, that, that will still remain. It'll just be moderated in different ways and it's moderated by available uh, resources and, and the money that people have got. And I think that, you know, sort of that ebbs and flows, that goes up and down. But the way that we do that and, and the way that we shape our buildings will be different. And I think that um, I won't be surprised if we see more componentry or more of a component-based uh, approach uh, to construction. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be prefabricated and panelised. But I think that there's a continuum here. Yes. And somewhere along that continuum, uh, at one end, you've got a, a, a construction company that does a lot of its own work does a lot of stuff and at the other end you've got a highly panelized componentized uh, type approach i think that the the median of those two is going to swing more towards a component-based approach it makes sense in terms of that 
social distancing and, and managing costs, um, particularly you know with the volume of and the types of houses that are going to be built. Sure, and we know that that uh, more component approach it helps with speed of consents, it helps with speed of construction, uh, it can help with the uh, cost base around construction because they are more componentized and look completely agree it's certainly a, a continuum. I was talking with a, a neighbour across the fence at more than two metres, of course, uh, recently, and he uh, he is at, by his own admission is a crusty old carpenter, and he said, look, uh, just in how much he's seen the industry change when he was an apprentice uh, probably 40 years ago he said they went to site and they built everything they built all of the window sashes that there was nothing that came to site pre-made and now if you think where we're on that continuum now you know all our joinery arrives ready our uh, you know spouting and roofing is is componentized you know all those kind of things that, that happen we use these specialist trades to get things done so we've already seen a, an evolution and I think that evolution will go a bit faster now so what should both employers and trainees, what should they be thinking about in terms of their skill development to help be ready for that, you know, a, a continued move along that continuum, do you think? Well, I think there's a couple of things, and I think they're different, they're different um, groups. So employers, I think, should be thinking about uh, the long game. And there is some short pain here, and uh, a part of that is going to be uh, in terms of expected levels of productivity and profitability. So they're coming off a real high. And uh, so if they think that that high is going to be maintained in a post-COVID environment for some time, then I think that they uh, are in for a surprise. I don't think anybody's expecting that. However, it's the degree of drop back or, or uh, and how they manage that, which is important. So the industry goes through these dips, and this is just a real short, sharp one. The degree to which they can weather that storm, I think, is very, very important because that capital, uh, in terms of that human capital on the other side of this, is going to be the thing that they're going to need to recover the quickest. When we went through the GFC, there were employers who didn't train and those who did. Those who did ended up with two things. They ended up with a skilled workforce and they ended up with a broad workforce. And this is where I, uh, the other uh, group that you mentioned, the apprentice, is the important one. The degree to which they engage in a qualification which gives them a broad base across uh, their, the industry that they're interested in is important because that makes them a viable labour unit across a multiple uh, set of circumstances. Typically in times of plenty, when we're very busy, the construction industry tends to um, contract out and use a lot of specialisation. When we go through uh, times of a recession and quiet, we tend to bring those skills back in again. Those employers that did well during the GFC are those that already had that skill base. They'd already trained those apprentices uh, and they'd trained those uh, trade staff so they had those broad range of skills. Instead of outsourcing them, they could do them themselves. Those are the things that I think are really important in this decision making about who employers uh, retain and the skills that they build in those people during that time. I was talking to a couple of painting employers the other day and they were saying to me that the best time for training apprentices is during a quiet time. They trained, yeah, they trained during the GFC. When we came out of the GFC, they just, they were in such a strong market position 
that they were able to capitalise on. Spot on. And Greg, part of your uh, title is about stakeholder engagement. Tell me what are the stakeholders that BCITO recognises and that you think about in this situation? So our stakeholders are mainly our members and uh, they are the industries. Uh, so the industries that we serve because we're an industry-owned and based organisation. So we place a lot of value and a lot of time in making sure that we understand what our stakeholders uh, want uh, one of my common questions is, so what's keeping you up at night? Because those are the things that uh, often uh, we have or can be a part of the solution. So part of that, uh, I introduced some work about five years ago in terms of workforce development. Because I was a little bit tired of the fact that even though construction is a really large part of the economy, the government departments weren't really paying a lot of attention to understanding what were the inner workings and what were the inner demands of, of our workforces. So Because it's just not simply good enough to say, oh, we should train more. That's just not good enough. We should know what are the skills that we need to be training for and where do we need them and when do we need them. So right people, right skills right place, right time. So uh, we introduced um, some quite structured uh, review of and planning around workforce development. And I'm really proud of the fact that we've now rolled that out to the point now where BCITO has just recently provided the Otago councils uh, in that region with advice on, so what, what are the uh, labour workforce demands going forward? Understanding that is a really important part of uh, the future of the New Zealand construction industry and most of all, all of that information that we provide for industries is available on our website. If you just search under workforce development plans or strategies uh, on the BCITO website, it's free, it's there for people to use. And part of that planning says, well, not only here's what the industry looks like, oh, sure, some of those numbers have changed in the last month or so, no doubt, but some of the underlying skills in terms of and issues that the industry needs to address haven't. Things like uh, regional uh, drift, things like environmental issues, yes. uh, things like technology introduction, all of those things are facets of the future of tomorrow that our employers are grappling with all the time. So we're providing some quite in interesting information and, and advice around that. Spot on. And you used the word uh, pivot uh, earlier on. I think uh, you know many organisations out there at the moment are going, <coughs> how do we pivot through, through this in a changed environment? Um, what is it that BCITO as an organisation, how are you guys pivoting? How are you adjusting to this uh, this situation? One of the things that we've uh, stepped up with, we were already working on this anyway, uh, was providing more electronically delivered materials uh, to support our learners. So uh, we've stood up in pretty record time in LMS, uh, which has some pretty innovative uh, learning opportunities in it. There's quite a bit of fun in there. Uh, there's quite a, there's a, a good number of quizzes. Uh, some of them are a lot harder than um, I thought they'd be easy, but I tried to answer a few and I think, oh, I'm scratching my head here. Uh, so they're, they're good fun, but they're, they're a way of challenging our people and helping our learners to engage with our materials. We've also taken the brave step of also uh, um, introducing quite a number of third-party resources into that LMS as well, so people can look at proprietary-based YouTube products or websites mm -hmm. or so forth. Mm -hmm. And while they're not ours, we haven't developed them, 
them. We think that they are materials or information sources which are reasonably interesting. They are relevant to the New Zealand building industry and they will help our learners or they'll help anybody who wants to review them. So just helpful stuff like that. The other thing is uh, we've pivoted quite quickly in terms of we're traditionally an organisation of 200 field staff who turn up and knock on the the site door and visit employers and apprentices. We haven't been able to do that during lockdown and so we've pivoted by our field staff spending a lot of time on the phones talking with apprentices and employers and a lot of those conversations have been very fruitful. Uh, we've been able to understand the pressures that those people are under and also help them by directing them to uh, where they can get help, where they can get assistance. Superb. And have you got a sense from the field staff about the, you know, the kind of the top of mind questions that are coming for both employers and trainees? There's a range, uh, but I'd say the biggest one would be what's the future going to be like in four or five or six months' time when we get over the uh, when we get over the busyness of now, and you know how stable will the economy be in terms of making sure that it doesn't all sort of you know go to hell in a handbasket. So uh, those are key questions that I think everyone is is asking. I think there are a number of people who are saying you know well, what does this mean for me? You know they've got a mortgage, they got a young family, or you know, don't necessarily need to have a young family to have a mortgage, but if you know what I mean, there's a lot of things going on. It's complicated. People are complicated. Uh, and so most of our employers understand that and have been very sympathetic to that and have done everything they can. We're really proud of them. Fantastic. And uh, I'm certainly no economist, but I, I do look at some positive factors. I think we do have a lot of uh, pent up demand. We do have a whole lot of approved consents that are not constructed yet. And yes, some of those will fall away because of uh, not no longer being able to get finance, etc. But it certainly won't be all of them. So there will still be those in there. Uh, if you had have asked almost anyone in the New Zealand population, would they be up for a three or four percent mortgage? If you had asked them that ten years ago, they would have gone, "I'd, I'd build forever on that kind of money." Uh, you know, so I think there are there are still some factors in that that are going to present opportunity and allow uh, you know construction organisations to succeed. Uh, not every one of them, but there will still be some opportunity. And I think our fiscal policy has been pretty strong in New Zealand. We haven't allowed people to overcapitalise. So I think like we saw in the last uh, recession around GFC, we saw a small dip in the, really a small dip in the house values, but ultimately it wasn't a massive dive because people are invested, they've got a lot of equity involved themselves, they don't want to walk away from that, so they're prepared to wait it out until the until things come good again, which they've, they've proven to come good every uh, recession in history. Hey, look, I'm, I'm not suggesting it's all going to be uh, brilliant and uh, happy days going forward, but uh, I don't think it's all going to be a disaster either. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity and continuing to train people. So, you know, that example you used of the painting company that trained some people in their downtime, so they were ready when things came on, on stream again. I think it's fantastic advice. It's interesting, isn't it? Because people who have been in business for a while will tell you it's just as hard to manage a company and growth than it is in a time of, of quiet. And often in times of growth, companies 
do find themselves quite stretched, quite undercapitalized, and you know you can only make that dollar do so many things. So I think that some of the some of the uh, prudency which you exercise in both of those times, uh, it's just good sound business techniques that you should be putting in effect. You know, don't be a stranger to your bank manager, don't be a stranger to your accountants. Those people, most of them, are pretty clever and they can give you good advice. Ninety, I think it's ninety-three percent of our employers and we have at any one time about six and a half, seven thousand of them uh, training um, 12 or so, 13,000 apprentices. So about 93% of those are five staff or less. So the van you see driving down the road with three people sitting in the front seat, that is the firm. So, you know, we've always got to remember that it's a very cottage industry and those, those cottage industries are, are made up of really great people. They're passionate. They absolutely care for their staff and they want to do the best for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, training is just a key part of that. But we're very mindful of the fact of all of the pressures that come with running an ECME, running a small business. Yeah. It's difficult. It is. And Greg, what you... You rightly said stay in contact with your uh, accountant, etc. Uh, I think what we've observed with a number of the business owners that we've worked with directly and Master Builders members is that uh, customers and staff also appreciate open communication. And sometimes that communication is very tough messages. But we've seen it reinforced time and time again that people have, you know, even when they've had uh, challenging news about redundancies or reduced wages, that they've actually just appreciate the business owner being open and upfront about the situation. Because once they know, they can actually then deal with the situation themselves. And likewise, for, for customers staying in, in contact with them, understanding their situation, um, so they can either get back to work or make, make alternative plans around uh, what's going on with that customer as well. So I think communication is a big one. All credit to you as well. Um, you know, uh, Master Builders have uh, done a really good job in making sure that there's connectivity and, and that support, that collegial support, being able to pick up the phone and talk to that colleague down the road who is in a very, possibly a very similar situation to you is an immensely supportive thing to do. You mentioned before in terms of, um, uh, you know, what am I doing for my mental health and well-being? And that's a really key part of getting through this as well. We're, we're people. And so we bring, you know, all of those uh, emotions and people things to everything that we do so having that ability to reach out to someone a colleague you know a trader down the road who you know and trust um, that, that's really important and your organization does a great job of that and thank you for for that greg and i think also the uh within your own organization you know we've got the situation where things have changed we might find that some younger members of our team possibly even the apprentices have more uh, technology savviness than maybe us as business owners who are a bit older. You know, talk to your talk to your team. Go, hey, we're in a new world here. What opportunity do you see? How could we use technology to interact with our clients differently, or with our subbies, or our building merchants, or whatever? You know, get them to throw some ideas around because they're the uh, the ones that are very tech savvy at, at this stage. Absolutely. Hey, nice one, Greg. Really appreciate you joining us on the Master Builders uh, podcast today. Thanks for the uh, work you and BCITO are doing to continue to support the employers and the trainees during this time. Um, Stay healthy, mate, and keep those burgers coming. Yeah, well done. Thanks a lot.